Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. In this episode, we're all going to be wearing masks. (laughs) Metaphorically speaking. And letting his inner demon out today is my guest, Adam Sheehan, from the Tales from the Shortbox podcast. So, Adam, is The Mask a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I'm actually going to say no. Okay. No on all counts, but... I think I, I, th- this is a remake that we should go back in time and do, because I don't think the original one should have ever been made. Uh, okay. So the answer is, it's a, it, ha- it probably won't be. There are no plans to, but it, it should be, yeah, but it, right this time. It, it should be, but right this time, but it can't be because of the original. Like The, the original movie made it impossible for an actual honest run of this movie to ever be made might be true i mean it could be if you don't call it the mask if you just call it big head yeah i guess like if you don't tell people that it's like if you you use the same like promotional like it's the mask yeah then yeah you're right it absolutely cannot be but if you like if you you'd have to change the name but i think it's possible that's fair it's one of those things that like it's baffling that that movie got made the way it did or you do a Blair Witch Project thing where it's like a, a secret sequel or like a secret remake. And people are like, wait, this is a remake of what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So before we get too deep into it, Adam, how long have you been uh, uh, talking about comics? Uh, oh, God. Wh- what are we doing today? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself and then what the plan is. So, I, I mean, I've been I've been into comics since before I could actually read them. So, like, you know, it's this is a lifelong passion. Um, I, I usually talk about comics in a weekly fashion. So on Tales from the Short Box, we talk about the previous week's comics. So comics come out every Wednesday. We typically record on Friday, sometimes as as late as, as Monday, but then we release every Wednesday. So cool. it's every Wednesday we talk about last week's comics. So what, what got me thinking a lot about The Mask is Matt Fraction uh, wrote a, a run of the mask a couple of years ago that we covered on the show and did it a really really good job where the mask becomes president of the united states it's an absolute bonkers premise but it was really really well done and then i ended up getting invited on to another podcast to talk about the original jim carrey movie kind of beat by beat and i've been thinking about it is interesting i'm going to interrupt you for a second to make this joke um, it is interesting that it takes a comic book to really give us a, a scenario when someone from the Green Party can win. <laughs> there it is. Sorry. Continue <laughs> with your actual words. But I've been thinking ever since, like, like kind of what I just said, like, man, you could not actually make <laughs> an, an oddest version of this movie. They didn't. But, like, why even start? Like, why even, like, because that movie is so fractured. It doesn't know what it's trying to be. It doesn't know it has no vision or focus because the whole thing is trying to make this thing that they can't make into a, into a summer blockbuster movie for kids. I mean, as one of those kids, <laughs> I do genuinely enjoy the movies. So, so 
one of the uh, pieces of homework you had me do prior to this episode was read the first section of like the mask omnibus where yeah. the character is not known as the mask. It refers to the, like the actual physical object and not the person that, uh, the the character becomes the entity entity so to speak. the the being right. uh, and but then I also rewatched the movie I had a friend over who watched the movie and I I still had a good time there's a dog in it who could be mad <laughs> yeah, it makes dog. no sense it doesn't yeah. fall apart uh, on under any scrutiny whatsoever uh, don't think <laughs> about it too hard just wait for him to sing Cuban Pete and live with, and live your life right it's it's just so bizarre just like what they they t- they took this this source material and just twisted it and twisted it and twisted it <laughs> until you got that movie it's like why why i've never been able to understand it but what's funny is when i saw this movie as a kid this movie came out what when like the 1994 1994 i was already into comics then so when i learned that there was a comic book that it was based on a comic book. So I got to get that book. Oh, and then, no. Like, what my fourth grade mind, like, just succumbed to. It's like, I, it was one of the first times I was like, I really shouldn't have this and shouldn't be reading this. It was like one of the, the first times where, like, I was getting away <laughs> with something, but, like, was like, maybe I shouldn't be because this is So, not what you're me. saying is that somebody should have stopped you? <laughs> You're, you've got you've got a lot of these, don't you? I don't, but you keep setting me up. All right, okay. Um, so what you're saying is that you then set the magazine on fire, and it became, <laughs> yeah, smoking. Um, there it but, is. But actually, but in actuality, like for for people who haven't read the comic, like I had not read the comic prior to this, but I'd heard the lore of oh, the the mass comic is so different from the movie. It's so violent and graphic and wild. Yeah, and so I I had a sense of what I was in for, but I did not know. Yeah, it's it's grisly. It's like concussive and weird, and like it's it's violent and and scary in a way I wasn't prepared for in fourth grade. Like it's it's scary to think about what the entity of Big Head really is, and just like how how terrifying of of a setup that is. How would you describe the entity of Big Head in the comic? So I, I would describe him as a tulpa. So it's it, okay. tulpa is something that that's used to describe kind of these these like a, outside of reality kind of beings that can manifest. Like like Mothman or Bigfoot is a tulpa. Like I put him on the on that same level. It's this weird kind of a I don't know. agents of agent of chaos. Yeah, yeah there it is. It, it's definitely a cryptid of some kind. It's some sort of extra dimensional being <laughs> i mean you, uh, a, a certain object imbued with special properties that is both a great gift and a great curse to the person who possesses it it sounds like a fey artifact if nothing else yeah exactly i can see that the interesting thing about the comic is so in the movie we follow stanley ipkiss that's the jim carrey character and w- right. when you're talking about like how does this movie get made it's well, you see the design of the character and then you're like, well, the only person who has this kind, these kinds of teeth is Jim Carrey. Let's see what, and then, but Jim Carrey won't make this kind of movie yet. So let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but like in the comic, the Stanley Ipkiss character is killed on page, what, 34, 35? Yeah. He's just the the first one to, mm-hmm. 
to experience the mask. There really isn't, there isn't a protagonist of this story. Like that's, that's that's kind of one of the weirder things about the comic. I would disagree, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, basically the Stanley Ipkiss in the comic book is, uh, I can't even say a lovable loser because he's an awful human being. Mm-hmm. not an awful human being he's not a good guy no. but he's like one of those people who's like yeah i'm a good guy and then just like comes home and calls his girlfriend fat right just is a real piece of shit and then buys this mask for her and then keeps it for himself and then goes off to try and murder everyone who ever did him wrong for any reason including his third grade teacher who made him clap chalk or something yeah and he murders this 80 year old woman in front of her class of school children Ah, yes. I forgot about that part. It, it's messed up. Like, the, the stuff that happens in this book is messed up. And yeah. It's, it's funny, too, because, like, Stanley was already a, a, not a good person. And the mask does something to the personality of, of the wearer where it kind of pulls out the worst part of you and amplifies it. So it turned him into even worse of a person. And that's kind of what it does to each person who gets it mostly yes and it's it's funny to start off with a guy like stanley who's just an yeah. absolute loser and a jerk you you, you can't possibly care for this guy <laughs> so, i mean the, so the way i read it is that the mask t- will turn like so in the comic the mask is a somewhat sentient thing like all the characters have arguments with the mask itself yeah both when they're wearing it and when they're not Right, and so basically, like they all kind of end up in the same place, and it's just how quickly the the mask itself is able to drive them to being this horrific murder jokester. It, it's how quickly the mask can turn them into the Joker, more or less. Yeah, uh, dead Deadpool Joker. Excuse me. Yeah, Deadpool's a good a good a good comparison. I I I, I call it like it's more of a murderous Bugs Bunny than anything else. So Bugs Bunny, but like yeah mean-spirited yeah less i I mean bugs bunny if bugs bunny wasn't trying to be entertaining and only cared about making himself laugh right and he has a sick sense of humor (laughs) yeah and so the 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 section that i read was 150 pages and so stanley ipkiss gets the mask uh and is this awful human being and then his girlfriend kathy kind of figures it out and then figures out a way that like she catches him without the mask because when he has the mask on he's immortal he can't be killed yeah he has that warner brothers animation rules where anything goes he's got that kind of stretchiness which is the same in the movie as well yeah that's like the one thing they kept (laughs) but i I have a a couple things but yes i have a i have a theory about that and we'll get to it though we'll get yes but anyway the, the any kathy kills stanley epkis like she shoots him and then she has the mask and ha- and wore it in order to be able to do that and then is like i can't have this and gives it away to the cops right and that's where i i'm trying is his name mitch calloway in the comic as well yeah it's 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 just lieutenant calloway at one point there's actually a joke where someone goes do you have a first name so Fair i don't enough. know if he does but it's lieutenant calloway so she gets the mask to calloway who is theoretically in the in the realm of the comic the good guy with the gun now he is the the one who now has this power and so now he's going to use it to take down the the mouth bosses that the system's not going to let him take down right yeah and he very... starts doing that but then of course it's and then he pushes it and then he pushes it and then he pushes it 
which I think is the perfect metaphor for a good guy with a gun of it starts out with good intentions, but eventually it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until eventually you're also murdering old women in the street or whatever it is. Yeah, because you, you come up with any reason to justify it. And and the thing with Big Head is Big Head's ultimate agenda is to take over. Like, it wants to be in charge. Of everything. Yeah, and it's it starts with kind of making it feel like you, you're in charge and you're driving. But then the the worse it gets, the more Big Head starts to take over. So like like Big Head is a person in and of himself. Right. And he's just using he's using people as a vehicle to okay, put on this mask and now I now I can take over, now I'm in charge. It's the Bruce Banner metaphor we got in um Ragnarok where he says it used to be both the Hulk and I each had a hand on the wheel, but this last time he had both hands on the wheel and I was I was nowhere to be found. Yeah, it's a lot like that. Yeah. And then, so, so that's basically the comic as it's read. And then I think what ends up revealing to Calloway that like, oh man, I have gone too far is I think when he kills a witness. Yeah. And then he buries the mask in the cement in his basement and promises to never use it again. Turns the page. It's time for me to use the mask again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, and part of the Matt Fraction run too was, um, Kellaway's a character in that. Kathy's also a character in that, and they're they're trying to stop this this presidential candidate who has the mask. But they yeah. they both have their own problems with the mask, and they like they realize that it has these hooks in you. It's almost like a drug, mm-hmm. where it's it's an addiction. It's an addiction that's incredibly hard to stop because you can fix any problem with this mask, any problem at all. And it's like, it's, it's only a matter of time before you go, okay, I need the mask again. Like I have another problem. You can fix any problem. You'll make five more, but you'll fix that problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so for our purpose, so the, in contrast to the movie, in the movie, uh, there's a, a magic box buried at the bottom of a river. Some guy uncovers it and then is crushed by a leaden pipe and dies and the mask floats to the surface. And then on the worst day of his life, Jim Carrey <laughs> finds the mat, like sees someone he thinks is drowning, dives in and it's just the mask on a plank of wood. And so he takes it home, this gross, dirty river mask, puts it on his face and then, wow, everything starts going his way. And he has the confidence to be in person. Uh, and then Cameron Diaz uh, get uh, gets her big break and is very pretty for a whole movie. Uh, there's an awesome dog. And then they steal a little bit from The Mask Returns. Yeah. Which is where a guy in the mob gets the mask. Yeah. And then right. uses it to take over the, the mob part. There it is. Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> where? what is he setting me up for? Yeah. I mean, I was talking a lot and I decided to share. <laughs> but but the mask returns is where we get a lot more walter also sure which i want to get to walter is just this giant mute like mob enforcer who's yeah the so only... tell us about walter because i only got a piece of it walter's terrifying in in that he's the only person who's ever been able to even remotely hurt big head and how does big head the name of the the per, the name of the person the entity who puts on the mask right that that's the name when you put on the mask you become big head so sure. like yeah how did big head meet walter that's a weird story so in in the book there's this really weird like he's this mob boss kind of guy but he's this like drug kingpin who just keeps murdering junkies 
with just injecting them with too much heroin. It's really a messed up story. But yeah. um, Big Head encounters him because he's he's in possession of Kellaway at this point, who's been trying to get this guy for a long time. So he the finally, mob boss, not yeah, this, Walter. This mob boss. So he finally corners this this drug kingpin and ends up having to fight Walter who who is the mob bosses uh, just duff guy like right hand man like enforcer that's the word yeah. I'm looking for yeah yeah in later comics do we like learn what Walter's deal is not really but he keeps getting pulled in to be like all right you're the guy who can hurt the mask so we need you to come he, help us hurt this guy he's the this is the metaphor I'm going with. He's the equivalent kingpin or madrigor of that universe. Of it is just a base level human, but all all stats are maxed. He's like he's like a Jason Voorhees. Okay, <laughs> where like it's like you can't kill this guy, but like he's also not like you know a cartoon character either. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so like I'm just thinking of the the mat the Madrigor from uh, DC Comics, the uh, al- albino mob boss who I know from the Justice League Unlimited series, and I remember like an entire pallet of girders is dropped on him, and he's fine. Yeah, he's that kind of guy. Okay, and so what else happened? So in the version I read, the mask fights Walter, thinks he kills Walter, Walter lives. Thinks he kills Walter again. Walter lives. And it's like, I don't understand what's happening. I, not Big Head, the mask, am confused. <laughs> it's it's just, it's kind of, you need to have someone who can sort of stop it. Otherwise, you know, you, you, you need that, that immovable object for the unstoppable force, I guess. What's interesting to me, because like, if the mask were a logical entity, it would be like, oh, I want that one. Yeah, right. Well, th- there is a funny joke later on, and this is in the third volume of of the original Red of the Mask, where Walter tries to put it on, but his face is too big; like it doesn't actually fit on his face. <laughs> wow. But yeah, you would think you would think the the mask would be like, okay, let's use that guy to do, yeah, to eventually take over the world, right? Like, right. how could you stop that? <laughs> you, you, like, if he's unstoppable now, imagine how much more unstoppable he'd be if he had uh, Bugs Bunny powers. Right. Like, that'd be ridiculous. But, okay, so the, the movie doesn't have a character like Walter. In the movie, it's uh, the, this mob guy is trying to take out this other mob guy, and he's dating Cameron Diaz, and it's all, like, this big confluence, and Jim Carrey gets caught uh, because the newspaper lady from uh, Wings and Robin Hood Men in Tights betrays him. Then the mob guy gets the mask and uses it to take take over the mob until uh, Cameron Diaz says, well, I just want one last kiss. And then she ki- kicks the mask away. The dog puts it on and saves the day. Yeah. And then we get that great shot of the dog peeing on a guy that we absolutely yeah. needed to have. It, it's true. If it, if there is anything that should inspire a Transformers movie, it's that moment. And it's funny too, because in that moment, like, I really thought Cameron Diaz was going to put on the mask and we're going to get that. That's what I want. That's what we all wanted the whole movie. But they gave it to the dog. Yeah, because, you know, Hollywood. <laughs> Which is going to bring me to my point in a second. But basically, the big difference between, for me, in terms of like the way the mask works is that in the movie, 
the mask brings out your innermost self and, and brings it to the surface, no matter who it is. So in Jim Carrey's case, if you're a lovable goofball rascal, you become a lovable goofball rascal who makes guns and uh, violently assaults mechanics. Right. Or if you're this mob guy who just is a shit, you become an even worse shit and you become an entirely different actor. You go right. from this really skinny guy to this really beefy guy because that's who you are at your core or something. And then if you're a dog, you're uh, Heathcliff from Way Out Wacky Racers. <laughs> right. And you do the laugh and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in the comic, it's kind of all roads lead to the same place. The mask is going to push you into being this same person no matter who you were when you put the mask on. So for Stanley Ipkiss in the comic, gets there very, very quickly. Right. For Calloway... It takes longer, but he gets there too. And um, I, so I find this very interesting because the comic book for me was very reminiscent of, and I'm just going to say this, Lord of the Rings. Okay. (laughs) So the comic also does what Lord of the Rings does not do, which is show us what would happen if Gandalf or the elf lady whose name I forget actually put on the ring. It's like, we're telling you that it would be really bad. And we're just taking their word for it. We don't know. Yeah. Whereas in the comic, we see what's happening when people put on the mask. We know it's bad. And just like Lord of the Rings, this comic book also has a Bilbo. <laughs> and that's Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, there it is. So you mentioned earlier that I, that the, the comic doesn't really have a protagonist and I think it does. And I think it's Kathy. Yeah. You could make the, you can make the case for Kathy. You could make the case for Kellaway as well. Yeah. But I, and you're making a case for a cop and I'm not, a, and yeah. he's still not a good person. No, but like, like it's, it's funny. Cause like Kat, Kathy's the protagonist in that all of this stuff is kind of happening around her. Right. But it's, it's often not about her. I which agree. Is, which is weird. And that's the way the comic is presented. Yeah. In our version, I think she needs to be the hero. The reluctant yes. hero, but the hero. Yeah. I, I think for our version, we have the Stanley Ipkiss who gets the mask and goes nuts and is killed at the end of Act 1. Right. And then we have Calloway who gets the mask and we think is a hero, but by the end of Act 2 is already starting to devolve into being this horrible monster. And then Act 3 is Kathy needing to stop the horrible monster that Calloway's become. Right. And we, we I, I feel like in, in that arc, too, we need Kathy to don the mask in an attempt to try to t- like clean everything up and fix everything. Right. And we can also treat it the same way that the comic book treats it. So in the comic, when the way Stanley Ipkiss is killed is Kathy gets the mask and puts it on and mm-hmm. she becomes big head and kills Stanley Ipkiss. Right. And then she takes the mask off and immediately is like, I can never, ever, ever wear this again. She's already fighting and arguing with the mask. And then that's when she's like, I have to get this away. I have to get these to this to responsible people. And she gives it to the police because it's nineties and they're the most responsible. Right. But I think yeah, but she's that's... the only one, she's the only one who was able to actually walk away from the right. mask. Yeah. She's Bilbo. She's not Frodo. Bilbo. <laughs> it's an Why not? Why not one last time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't I? So so I, I want to get to this point. So th- there's really, and I've been saying this for years, there's one main difference between the original movie, the 90s movie, and its source material. 
and it's how they deal with Big Head's powers. So okay. in the comics, Big Head's powers are this like Tex Avery cartoon physics. Mm-hmm. But he's the only one who obeys by those physics. Everyone else around him has all real world per- repercussions to a, you know, Tex Avery physics thing. In the movie, they were like, well, we can't do that because this is a PG movie. So we're going to make everyone else ab- abide by those cartoon physics because they'd have to, right? Like, right. He should be able to tie a guy's arms in a knot and then that guy be fine and not break his arms in the process. Right. So that that's it's such a weird key difference to just tweak that one specific knob a little bit. It is interesting. It's also that means so obviously the best scene in the movie is also the scene that makes the least sense, which is the Cuban Pete when the mask infects an entire city yeah. blocks worth of people and makes this big grand musical number that works by the logic of the movie because the mask is a, um, it is an aura. It's a radiating force, a radiating force <laughs> as opposed to, it is an externally radiating force as opposed to an internally radiating force. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the mask is going to give you so much cancer. Yeah. Right. The amount of radiation. Yes. Uh, so many jokes. Um, Okay, that makes sense. Because obviously for the purposes of this remake, hard R, brutal violence. Yeah, I want it to be concussive. Like that kind of, just one of those really grainy concussive action movies. Like almost like a John Wick. Or like an old boy. Like just real. But like you, like old boy, but like it's (laughs) Bugs Bunny running through a hallway with a hammer. Right. And it's just like this sense of like, I I always just think of the moment when like someone shoots a gun and like, it just like blows three fingers off and you just see this, like the bloodied stumps and and just like the audience just has this visceral reaction. Like every time (laughs) Big Head does something, there should be a visceral reaction. It it needs to hurt. And I'm like, I'm not a huge Grindhouse fan in general. So I'm like, in reality, I'm not the person to make this, but tell me a little bit about like the way you're kind of seeing this all work together. So um, I keep coming back to 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 two things which uh, tie in my writer director immediately. So the Crank series, sure, and um, and Happy. Have you seen Happy? I've seen Crank. So so ha- Happy is is the show on on FX starring oh, the, uh, the... Christopher Maloney. Yeah, the one with the animated uh, unicorn. That's right. voiced by Patton Oswalt. Yeah, it's it's this animated unicorn voiced by Patton Oswalt. That's the main character's daughter's imaginary friend. But right. it's it's very like gr- it's funny too because this isn't really even a hard R, but it's it it skirts the line. So it's like very sure. very concussive action, very kind of filthy <laughs> things happen. Like doing a bad job at pitching this show, but it's it's, it's very much. It's very much the line I want to go, and that that was uh, both Crank and uh, and Happy were made by uh, director writer Brian Taylor. Okay, so that's who I would bring on to make this. Right. So I, I understand that you're doing that in terms of tone, but before we get to tone, talk to me about what you want to happen. So I I, I kind of did like a, a big beats of like Act One, Act Two, Act Three, but like what are the important things that you want to see from the comic or not from the comic? What's something that 
let's start there. So, what are the like the things you want to see? I'm very in line with your Act One, Act Two, Act Three, the the overarching storyline. I think that's pretty spot on. Um, the the main beats I want to see are I want to see that fight with Walter. Okay. I want I want that big showdown. Um, I would ha- I would retool who the main an- antagonist is because there really isn't one mm-hmm. in the comics. They they kind of there definitely is one in the movie, but I think it's weak. I I think I would, you would have to retool the whole story of this weird drug kingpin who gets off on overdosing people because it's just weird. It's uncomfortable. You would have to have some sort of main mob boss kind of personality. So that would need to be kind of, who do you have in mind? Not, not in terms of like casting, but what, what is the role that this person serves? That's a good question. So like, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't have a casting for it. So I, I, I kind of just went something would need to be done there. Um, I, okay. I, I think I, would... I do have a casting for that when we get there. But I, I understand what you're suggesting. So, yeah, I, I it's kind of this nebulous kind of um, crime syndicate that needs to be dealt with that Lieutenant Calloway would need to kind of usurp. For the purposes of our movie, let's say that it's a crime syndicate that has something on Stanley Ipkiss and Stanley Ipkiss takes out like a low level section of it and then keeps going. And that kind of alerts the crime syndicate to the presence of Big Head. Uh, But then it's also a crime syndicate that has its tendrils in more areas of the city than a police officer like Calloway would want. And Calloway has been trying to take them down and like like what happens in the comic book of keeps running into obstacles of like the DA is on the take, the assistant DA yeah. is on the take. And I so like can't, can't work within the bounds of the law. And so it creates this, that like the, the hero complex of uh, Callaway is like, I have to do, do what it takes to keep this city safe. And then in doing so makes the city less, that's the problem that the mask yeah. is going to help me solve. And then in doing so makes the city less safe. I, I do like what the movie did in that this crime syndicate um, becomes aware of the mask and how the mask creates big head and tries to get their hands on the mask. So yes. there's this kind of this kind of keep away game, this, this mm-hmm. sort of rugby game with the mask between between Ipkiss, the cops, and uh, and this crime syndicate. And the a, re- a good way to do that would be if Kathy thinks she kills Ipkiss but only mostly killed him. And then the crime, the crime syndicate found him, extract the information from him. And then once they get enough information, literally toss him out a window where he can brutally fall to the ground dead. Nice. Cause that way you're like, Oh, Ipkiss is still alive. Stanley Ipkiss. It's the mask. And we're going to have, and so it's like the false death and then still kill. Right. And so like that, that can even be beginning of act two as Calloway's starting to like get the mask and everything. I think the showdown with Walter can end up being um, end of act two. The big head ends up taking out Walter, but then keeps going and goes too far and takes out the witness and the, this and the, that yeah. and everything else that would have been needed to legally put these people away in favor of uh, immediate catharsis vengeance, the Tarantino style of, um, uh, of uh, justice, which is blow them all up. Yeah. And so that way you take Walter out at the end of act two. And then your, your tag at the end of the movie is Walter's still alive. Oh yeah. Somehow Walter's still alive. I like that. Yeah. Cause then, cause then act three is like we said, it's Kathy needing to figure out a way to take down Calloway. 
of how do you beat someone with cartoon logic? Right. Especially someone who realizes that he can't take off the mask anymore because as soon as he does, he could get killed. And and I and I think it really comes down to trying to play into whatever this big head entity wants and to try to kind of mess with because at this point you're not really dealing with Calloway. You have to deal with Big Head. You have to take Big Head on head first. Yes. <laughs> right. You have to take so like you might be talking to Calloway, but you're not really talking to Calloway. You're right. talking to the mask itself. At that point, Calloway is long gone. <laughs> yeah. So then my next question is, because this is a movie that we're making, what's something that you wish had been done in the comics or you wanted to see in the comics but has yet to be done in the comics? I I, I think that the the big moments are anytime Big Head is scared. So like creating moments where where Big Head is worried, like coming up with ways to do that to like kind of shine some sort of defeatability on big head yeah even in like a psychological sort of way and and matt fraction does that a couple of times in his run but i i I think a big moment like that like somewhere in the beginning of the third act all right fair enough i would also lean more into the cartoon of it all so one of the things that the movie took from the comic book is so there's a moment when jim carrey is uh there's like low level street gangs who watched Jim Carrey basically blow up a car and then decided to try and mug him because they're very right. smart. And so then uh, the mask starts uh, making balloon animals for him. Gives one of them a giraffe, gives one of them a poodle, pops it. It's like, sorry, the dog was rabbit, had to be put down. We got jokes. And then Jim and Carrey then pulls out a condom at one point. Like, like <laughs> wrong pocket or wrong balloon or something. It's a Such really a weird... strange joke it, it's out of joke it, it's a it's a mess of tone in that scene <laughs> but it, but because it felt like they were doing the thing from the comic right because that scene in the comic ends where he takes the balloons and instead of making balloon animal animal makes a balloon tommy gun and then blows everyone away right in the movie he does that and then the balloon turns into a tommy gun and I've always found that, and again, I like the movie, but this is bad because it's funnier if he blows people away with a balloon Tommy gun that's firing real bullets. I like that. I I, I like the the conjuring cartoon things in into reality and then having them have real world consequences. Yeah, because like, in a Tex Avery uh, Looney Tunes cartoon, that's what would happen. It'd be like, that's just a balloon. You can't bang. Yeah. And that that's how it would work is like it's the setup expectation of like the big hammer does nothing the little hammer kills everybody right and so like if you make uh and and literally you could set it up where that whole thing happens and then like big head leans over and pets the poodle (laughs) or literally leaves the balloon behind and then someone picks up the 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 uh the Tommy gun balloon in a later scene and pops it because if big head's not holding it, it's just a balloon. <laughs> right. But when he's holding it, it's a real Tommy gun. Cause it's what you were saying of not externally, internally, right. It's all my cartoon logic. And when I subject you to, if when I put a hole in the wall and throw you through it, you just, that, you're dead now. Right. Exactly. And, so I, I guess that brings us to how how would 
how do you think we should do big head? Like, do, do you think it should be a prosthetic mask? Do you think it should be animated? Do you think it should be a mix of both? Um, what did they do in the movie? It was prosthetic, right? It was prosthetic. And yeah. he often turned into a CGI character. Yeah, like, you can Bad tell. 90s CGI. Yeah, they did, they did the best they could. Like, all told, it's not as bad as it could have been. Right. Except when he turns into a wolf. Or yes. the dog. Those are yeah. bad. Everything else is pretty good. Um, that's a good question. Because I would want I want him to be animated, and I would almost want him to be two dimensionally animated. So, what I think you can do is, I can think I think you could use that as a visual representation of the descent into madness. Oh, um, so like it gets worse and worse. Well, so the like it get no, I would say it gets more and more real. Okay. Like you start first, put on the mask, two D animation, super cartoon, like uh, Roger Rabbit. I can't believe this is a real cartoon that I'm talking to. <laughs> but as this person puts on the mask more and more and more, they become more and more lifelike and more and more CGI to the point where, like at the end, when Calloway is gone and it's just Big Head, it's like a fully three dimensional. It looks like a real person standing there, but with a a watermelon for a head. Yeah. So the, what I would want to convey is going back to <laughs> Big Head is a cryptid. Often when when people talk about encounters they've had with Bigfoot or or Mothman sightings or like the Men in Black that sort of thing, there's this feeling of like existential dread. Like what they're seeing can't possibly be real. Like people people describe like headaches and nausea and. Like just this like absolutely weird physical feeling. I want to invoke okay. that. Like All you're right. looking at something that shouldn't exist. Fair. Okay. That is incredibly difficult to design. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think you could use the character design from the comics and just have like, yeah. like rough edges and like almost that. I, I keep thinking of that frame rate from uh, Into the Spider-Verse where it's like a little bit choppy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Or, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of... The problem is if you do this in movies, movies have to be rendered on TVs, which only do, like, the, the depending on the TV, like, different kinds of, like, color limitations. Yeah. As opposed to, like... Because they invented that black that was, like, the blackest black. And you can't take a picture of it because cameras aren't really re- able to render that level of black. But then when you see it in person, you're like... It, it's It's hard to wrap your head around... Just the complete absent. It's it is a void right. that you are looking into. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> yes, and like something. So, th- th- but that's kind of what what you're tr- trying for. Almost. I, I just like I I think it would be it'd be fun to kind of play with how big heads manifesting in reality because it's kind of it's kind of a tear in reality as we know it. So, yeah. like, I think you could play with it a bunch of different ways. I think you could have it, like, almost like a Roger Rabbit 2D animation with, like I said, like, really messy lines. And then, like, have it, like you said, kind of morph into a, a more CGI, more realistic thing when it needs to. It's like, it is whatever it needs to be. And you can play yeah. with that as much as you want. I, I think that's the way to go about it. I, I think... I, I think you're right. I don't think it should just be one thing. Like that's the whole chaotic nature of it of yeah, lean into the crazy. Yeah. And I think cool. you would have to cast Big Head separately. 
Yeah, which I did not do, but that that is interesting. But yeah, you're probably yes and no because you'd I... have to cast Big Head as a voice. I think because Big Head is like in the comics, the the word bubbles are different than everyone else's. Like yes, it's it's a very but they're the same word bubbles for all three of the big heads. Yes, and again it's the one person like i think that that's important when the person's like becoming like like this talking back and forth with the mask but also like you gotta represent the fact that that's what they're becoming i don't know it's like it's like a symbiote (laughs) i like it's all confusing it's it's like a venom too like yeah where there there is a separate entity and and it does take over when you wear the mask but like there's little pieces of your personality that it pulls it pulls into like like in in the movie Stanley Ipkiss when he puts on the mask he's this like zoot suit wearing guy because he like well swing was making a resurgence in the 90s and we had to capitalize on it but yeah, also he's a like real riot <laughs> like that's kind of his whole that's what he's into that's what he yeah. wants to be so that's what he becomes when he puts on the mask which is where they got it for the movie yeah it's where the the famous yellow suit comes from. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so I but that's Stanley's sense of style. What's the mask's sense of style? It, it almost doesn't have one. It it, it pulls off of whoever's wearing it. Because like when Kellaway is wearing the mask, he's just he, he's, he's got a, he's like a noir a detective tie. with yeah. a with a cigarette. Right, and like a master of disguise for some reason. Like yeah. That was that weirded me out in the comic where like it's someone who's clearly like big head in disguise and then he pulls off what looks very much like a real skin face. Yeah, it's very strange. Like it's, was he it, wearing someone's face? That was what I wanted to know. Is he? <laughs> I I I think so. I don't know. Oh man, I part of me just wants him to be able to like clay face it up and just like mush his face into something else. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like, very weird. Yeah, I don't. Oh, that that was the part that bothered. Like, the, for some reason, I'm used to like weird graphic violence, especially in comics. But like, I'm never used to someone like ripping skin off their own face. Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I wasn't a fan of that moment. It uh was gross. Yeah, ima- imagine reading it as a fifth grader, thinking that you were getting this goofy comic book that you saw Jim Carrey play. I would be having nightmares to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this this book sticks out in my mind probably for that reason. It was like that one of the sense. first things I read that had like ultraviolence in it, <laughs> and it was it was the first time I, I ever experienced like like okay, comics are more than just like Batman and Superman. Like yeah. this wasn't a superhero comic. This was something altogether different. So I don't know if you had someone for uh, like the actual voice of Big Head. I do not. I have a short list. <laughs> okay. So we'll get to casting in a second. Is there anything okay. for like plot, tone, style? Is there anything like for the, the movie as we set it up before we start plugging in the people to be representing the characters? No, I, th- I think we've got a pretty, as, as dialed in as we can without getting okay. an actual professional screenwriter involved. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm doing my best. Okay, I'm cool. Kidding. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about who we have for these various roles. And so I cast, and, I, and we mentioned this ahead of the uh, hitting record, of mostly to comic characters and not necessarily to people in the movie. Right. So like we're, no... we're not. We're not remaking this movie. We're we're making 
the yeah. mask. Well, we're not remaking this movie, but we are remaking the movie. Sure, sure. Yeah, but we're, like it's not a yeah, remake; yeah. it's a reboot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. I guess I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's, it's semantics. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't have a Tina, but I have a Kathy. And as much as it pains me, I did not cast a dog. Yeah, I don't think we need a dog. Poor Milo. You were a very good boy. <laughs> if anything, the best boy. <laughs> uh, but okay, let's talk about Stanley Ipkiss. Man, I wish I had who the best boy was on that set, like in the back of my head. Just ready. Oh, man. That, that would have been, been That would have been perfect. a good joke. Yeah. Ah, missed opportunity. Anyway. Anyway, who'd you have for Stanley Ipkiss? I have uh, David Dasmalchen. I, think I that's don't know who that is. He played the polka dot man in the new uh, Suicide Squad <laughs> movie. All right, interesting. I, I uh, think because like I, I I kept going back and forth on on who should be Stanley Ipkiss because like I don't want someone like super handsome. Not that David Dasmalchen isn't a handsome looking guy, but like I wanted someone kind of different looking, and yeah. I, I think he kind of. He kind of works. Yeah, I also didn't go with classically handsome. I so what I went for is because when we when we make this movie, it is a movie that exists in the world that the mask movie already exists in. So I was trying to subvert expectations a little bit by casting someone who does comedy and kind of like has that kind of jokey around that Jim Carrey does, but also can get real dark real fast. Okay. Um and uh. David Desmalchian can can do that. Um, he is an extremely funny guy. Like you yeah. watch him do the comedy bits in uh, Ant Man, and then you have him do anything else, and you're like, <laughs> I get it. So I went with Jake Johnson, who's Jake Johnson from The New Girl, and uh, he has that oh, one yeah. perfect okay. episode of Mythic Quest, and and he obviously is Spider B Park or Peter B Parker in Into the Spider Verse. Of like, you think he's going to be the goofy Jake Johnson, but then you have him do, cause I think he's in a horror movie and now I'm blanking on what that movie is called. Oh yeah, no, he's just a random enforcer in The Mummy. That was weird. Oh, weird. Uh, but okay. yeah, like, but so, th- so that was kind of my idea. Like, uh, hey, hey, this is, we're, we're going to be fun again. And then brutal murder. Yeah. And obviously people will know because they're going in and it's hard to exist in a world without previews. Yeah, you've already seen a Red Band trailer for this and we're terribly upset about it by the time you've walked in. But if uh, we have our creative control, we kind of have it set up of like, we tell you it's going to be an R and that there's going to be brutality and blood, but you might go in still thinking that Stanley Ipkiss is going to be the main character. Yeah. And so that's why we cast like, who's the new Jim Carrey kind of thing. I think both these options work and I would probably go with david desmalchian but i would make him as silly as possible silly but bad right like because remember art stanley ipkiss is not a good guy no so i would have him very much lean into the i'm one of those good guys kind of things and then yeah not be that yeah and i want to go with david desmalchian because i've never cast him in anything on this podcast before and i want to nice I do like I do like your pick. I do like Thank um, you. what's his name? I, I he's one of those names that I forget immediately all the time. It's Jake Johnson. It's Jake not a Johnson. it's not a name that stays in your brain. <laughs> I do I do like him as a pick. I do I do see Thank where you. you're going there. Uh, so what I tried to do is I tried to both the movie and the comic are pretty white, so I tried to be very selective with where I with where I put the whites. <laughs> there you go. And that was one of the places. 
So um, who did you have next, Callaway or Kathy? Um, Kathy's kind of a blank spot, but I do have a placeholder for Kathy if we want to just go right into it. Sure, why not? My placeholder is uh, Margot Robbie just because I can't seem to get her out of my head. But like she she can she also has the capability of doing the Jim Carrey mask smile while wearing the mask. Yeah, she can turn it up when we need when you need to turn it up. Yeah, that makes sense. So Kathy was tough because for the purposes of ours, in my head, I'm already like, we need our Bilbo. We need someone who is sweet or, or not sweet, but like a good person, but not so good that they're like a superhero. Yeah. Like not willing to put like the entire world before them, but like, decent enough in an uncorruptible sort of way of like, you meet this person, you're like, yeah, you're not going to do anything bad. We get it. (laughs) And so I don't see that about Margot Robbie. No. But I do see that about Melissa Fumero, who, um, some people know from Gossip Girl. I know from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's Amy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, okay. And, I I see her as being the person who is like she has the ability to go crazy but like she just doesn't it's not really her. Yeah. And like I could absolutely see her being the person who's like this just isn't like giving I could see her being someone who gives up the mask. Yeah, this doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's and perfect so- actually. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah, cuz I I I kept I couldn't really see past Kathy wearing the mask. Right. And trying to cast that. And that's where, like, I kept getting stuck on Margot Robbie because she'd be perfect in that capacity. I mean, if we're being honest, if Hollywood was remaking the movie right now and they were casting the Kathy who wears the mask, that is who they would go with. Right. There is no question that that's who they would go with. But it's not the right choice. No. (laughs) So, yeah, that's why I'm thinking Melissa Fumero. A little bit more low-key, but that's what you want in the character. Let's talk about Calloway. Let's. So you went first for the last one. So let me tell you about who I have. So um, for Callaway, I went with someone who kind of embodies that, man, here we go again. Just like one of those like beaten down cops, but still very much wants to do the right thing. And just like, I'm going to do the right thing, but like, I'm not going to enjoy it. But then just like when this ability to like actually get the good thing done becomes available, it's all of a sudden it's this person's like all of the veneer falling away and just like all of the cracks forming and this person just finally cuts loose. And you know, once this person cuts loose, it's going to be terrifying. <laughs> and so for that, I cast someone who people know from probably initially from Atlanta, but also from Sorry to Bother You and Judas and the Black Messiah. I went with Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. I need to look him up real quick. That's fine. As soon as you see him, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> see, I went I, I went a little different route, but like for Great. a lot of a lot of the same reasons. Um, I kind of wanted a a beaten down older cop who cool. still who still can like throw down. Sure. And I went with Christopher Maloney based on his performance in Happy. That makes sense. Like I, I kept seeing that guy when when I was reading when I was reading this book. So, part of the issue with going with Christopher Maloney is one of the things that we didn't really talk about, but we're gonna kind of have to be conscious of is the Batman problem. Yes. Of this is a rich white person beating up poor people of color. Yeah, that is a problem. 
And I think, and I'm perfectly happy going with someone other than Lakeith Stanfield. I'm like, I'm happy to circle back around on this. I think if we're, if we're supposed to, ex- like, I think Callaway can't be white. Because I think immediately the optics are bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And so I, you're, you're correct. That is excellent casting for the role as it exists in the comics. Because that's who he played on SVU for so long. And did you ever watch Scrubs? Yes. There's an episode where he's on and he's like the do- he's the the children's pediatrician. He has a bunch of puppets and it's like he's going back and forth with Dr. Cox. <laughs> and th- it's my first ever introduction to this actor and I've whose name I've already forgotten. Christopher Maloney. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, this guy is hysterically funny. And he is. He's so funny. And like I I love that tone and everything about him as a person except for the color of his skin. <laughs> because this comic and probably this movie too will have that that the batman problem and i think we have to like that's going to be a problem regardless of this is a police officer a person of authority beating up just like poor people and there's got to be something where that's not the first thing people notice like when people sit down and talk about it that's going to be an issue you can't get around it yeah but I mean, it has to be we, something that people talk about later. He doesn't necessarily have to beat up poor people and minorities. Like we can, we can keep it his whole vendetta against the crime syndicates. Or, and yeah, but mobs. who works for crime syndicates? Crime syndicates, <sighs> especially yeah. now, target the poor people on the street who don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, you're right. So let's come back to Callaway. Um, oh, you know what we should talk about first? Let's talk about the voice of Big Head, like the actual voice of the mask. Okay. So I, I don't have anyone for that, which means we're going to go with yours regardless. Well, I have but, a few. I have, I have, I wasn't able to narrow it down, but okay. I, I have a kind of general idea. So I, it's got to be someone who can do crazy really well, and it's got to be someone who can kind of do voices because Big Head kind of does voices. Like you can see him kind of crack into like a like a forties noir or like a cartoon character Bugs Bunny kind of voice. So by I immediately go to Billy West. Yeah. But like, I, I, I feel like that's probably still not it. And then my brain went to Robert Paulson, who right. is the guy you get for an animated thing about uh, a Jim Carrey character. That's true. And that, that immediately made me kind of run away from him a little bit. And that's when I landed on Ben Schwartz. Oh, that's interesting. I think if you, if we, if you let Ben Schwartz get crazy and get like, evil because an evil ben schwartz is something i don't think we've ever seen other than parks and rec i wouldn't really call him evil he's yeah okay not evil but bad yeah not mean-spirited by any means yeah (laughs) but like really dumb and selfish yeah because like when we were talking about the voice of big head and just like this slow transition to that sort of thing like in my head i was thinking like we have to decide if we're if Big Head is going to be like a Keith David voice or like a Gilbert Gottfried voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like kind of which direction it's going. Like the the silky smooth. And I think the correct way to do it is is that it is whoever's voice it needs in the moment. That's the voice that's coming out of it. Um, but I think Ben Schwartz is a good choice. Yeah, I think that's almost certainly the way to go but then but then there's a big question mark when kathy puts on the mask 
I mean, is it still Ben Schwartz? No, shoot. Oh God, what's her name? Fuck. Uh, oh, you have to. I mean, it. I'm gonna cut all that space out That's so funny. that I sound smart right in this moment when you go. Well, obviously, like you have to go with Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate, the John Ralphio's sister in Parks and Rec. Oh, oh, of course, duh. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That that it can if it's if it's Ben Schwartz, it can only be Jenny Slate. <laughs> and yeah, that 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 should do it. <laughs> it's so dumb. I love it. Uh, all right, cool. All right, so that's kind of like the big three slash four. I also have so in the comics, Callaway has like a lieutenant um, who is also there and apparently later in the series kills himself in a big, uh, big thing to keep the mask away from the mask hunters. And it's this whole thing, but he's like, he's also a legitimate human being. Who's like worried about his friend. And then in the movie that's replaced with a dumb white guy sidekick Doyle. So in the comic, it's a guy named Lionel Ray, uh, a, a black guy. And then white guy dummy in the movie named Doyle which is super fun to say and it's <laughs> permanently in my brain. So I, I went with kind of the character as he's portrayed in the comic. Cause uh, that's what we're doing here. And I went with, uh, Chi McBride, Chai McBride. I'm trying to, I, who he's been in iRobot. He was in Hawaii five Oh, but I know him from pushing daisies where he is the detective in pushing daisies. And he's great. I don't know if I know that person you may not um the like i really only know him from that one thing but he's funny but also can be like completely serious and very like down the road we don't need him for a lot but we just need him to be like okay callaway is not just like a free agent floating through the universe like he has this one person he can talk to Hmm. see i went with uh i went with bokeem woodbine um, he I was, do not know who that is. He was in Fargo. I think he was in season two of Fargo. Oh, I've seen him before. Where have I seen this guy? In Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, see, I haven't seen Homecoming yet. It hasn't, it hasn't reached digital. That, oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first he's, one. He's the shocker in, in Homecoming. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Good. Bokeem Woodbine. I love it. Let's go with him. Yeah, because he's he's kind of he can be very serious and very dry, but he also like you, you can kind of tell that there, that he can be funny, that he can do that when necessary. Great. I love it. That's amazing. Uh, and then the only other person I have is like some, someone to lead the mob. I have someone for that, but do, are there any other characters that you cast that we haven't talked about yet? I cast a Walter, I guess we could. We oh can yes, take... please. We need a Walter. Of so... course. I, I ping-ponged around a lot because, like, there's so many obvious choices, so many obvious wrestler-turned-actors that you could go with. Yeah. But, like, I I didn't want to use a professional wrestler. Like, I didn't want to use someone who was just really big. I wanted... But he, he has to be someone who's, like, impossibly threatening. Like, you right. look at the guy and you're just scared. <laughs> and I went with this actor... Um, Salvatore Esposito, also a pull from uh from Fargo. He plays he plays Ga- Gaetano Fada in the most recent season of Fargo. Okay. Scary looking dude. Sure. <laughs> he's not he's not huge, but just menacingly scary. I think we I think you could make him 
even scarier, especially like when you get the prosthetics on him to do like the facial scars and all that jazz. Sure. Sounds good. I also, um, I ha- also thought of <laughs> pulling a lot of people from Fargo. Don't know why. I haven't even watched that <laughs> show recently, but uh, Angus Sampson is another one. He, he's a very big dude. He's kind of typecast as a very big dude. Between those two, who do you want? I don't know. I keep coming back to uh, Salvatore Esposito. Then let's go with Salvatore Esposito. That's fine. Sounds <laughs> yeah, I good. don't know why I keep, I, I just had the IMDB for Fargo up and was like, everyone's in this show. I've done that before where it's like everything in this show works out perfectly. Yeah. It just kind of worked. Okay, cool. So then did you have someone to run the mob or I don't, I just kind of had a big question mark over how do we fix this, this mob story that doesn't really work. Yeah. So for ours in the comic and in the, uh, in the movie, like the mob guy is just like, I'm evil and not charismatic at all. (laughs) And so I we need someone who can play evil very well, but also play completely charismatic when he's not completely covered in makeup and prosthetics. <laughs> and that's why I think we need Lee Pace to be the head of our mob. You'll know Lee Pace as uh, Ronan the Accuser, as uh, that evil, as Legolas's dad in The Hobbit. Oh, I um, like it. He's in the bad senator in Lincoln. Uh, he is the pie maker in Pushing Daisies. <laughs> Well, coming back to Pushing Daisies, it looks like you had your own IMDb cast up that you kept pulling. I, I had Pushing Daisies in, in my mind because uh, we talked about top five pilots for top five. Uh, oh, okay. This last weekend. So that's that's what I was thinking about. Nice. Um, so yeah, Lee Pace, just a good mob boss, incredibly charismatic, charming dude. And then he stabs you. Yeah. With a murder. And then he puts on a mask and becomes a, a terrifying entity. Yeah. He becomes Ronan the Accuser, <laughs> which, if he ever puts on the ma- if he puts on the mask in our movie, that's what I would make him look like because it would be really funny, and he'd be like, "Oh, this is terrible! I would never." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this is wrong. This is all wrong. Yeah. Oh man, there's no there's no fun in this whatsoever. <laughs> I do like the hammer, though. I'm keeping the hammer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay, so that's our cast, except for Calloway. So I want to try and push us a little bit more towards Lakeith Stanfield. I don't know if he's completely the right choice, but I think for our purposes and for what, unfortunately, the optics of the movie need, I, I do think it can't be a white guy. Is I'll give that okay? you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, I think you're totally right there. <laughs> I don't think there's a way to argue against it. Yeah, fair enough. But that brings us to writer and director. I have a two separate um, writer director, and you already mentioned that you have a a writer director. Yeah, I have uh, Brian. I, I have Brian Taylor, just because that's the whole vibe I'm going for. Right, that makes sense, and I think I agree with you in terms of directing style because I I, I do think that's right. I think I probably want to give him a little bit of a hand and give him someone else to write with him. Okay, and so let me give you the two people I had for writer. I had one person for writer, one person for director, and I think I know how I'm going to lean towards, but I am proud of us for both avoiding uh, James Gunn and Sam Raimi. Yeah. Good for us. Those are the obvious choices. Those who would get it in reality, but we can do better. (laughs) Right. Uh, So for me, for my writer, I had Eric Kripke, who is, you know, a writer from Supernatural, but also from The Boys. 
Oh, uh, okay, there it is. Yeah, just like the the superhero with like big big violence, and that also kind of felt like an obvious pick, but a less well known name. The one I'm more interested in, I think, uh, being your writer is uh, a guy named James Samuel. He's really only done one movie so far. And it is a movie that was pitched to me as, it's pretty brutal. You might not enjoy it, but it's pretty brutal with social commentary. So what I think we do is we have James Samuel kind of do like the first pass of like for social commentary and then say his name again. Oh, Brian Taylor. Brian Taylor come in and do the jokes and do the bombasticness and obviously shoot it. Because yeah. he's a director who would end up doing that anyway. Uh, and so that, I think, would be more fun. So James Samuel did the movie The Harder They Fall. Okay. Which is the new Netflix black cowboy movie. <laughs> I like it. And I just think that'd be fun. So Eric Kripke is kind of like the on-the-nose one. But I feel like Brian Taylor is going to do a pass also and direct it but I feel like we should get like a first pass from James Samuel or at least have someone else to work with because Brian Taylor's a white guy and we should have the black guy somewhere on this. That's fair. And I think Brian Taylor at the end of the day is going to be, his name is on the poster, but I do think someone else should be involved in my pitch for that is James Samuel. Nice. Cool. So yeah. Anything else we need to cover or should I take you through this, uh, this thing that we've done? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's make this abomination of a movie. One last thing. Because we can't call this movie The Mask, that's uh that's tainted. Do yeah. we call this movie Big Head? What do we call it? Yeah, I don't even know. I guess we could call it Big Head. Um I guess that makes as much sense as The Mask. Because the mask it it's it's an intriguing title. You're like, what's this about? What are we getting ourselves into? But Big Head kind of makes it about the entity doesn't it yeah i mean that is the titular entity yeah and that's kind of why that entity has now kind of been dubbed the mask because the movie did that the comic didn't do it right yeah it makes sense let's call it big head don't want to call it going green Ooh, no all right fair enough (laughs) big head all right so the mask remake secretly they won't know until they actually watch it right big head Stanley Ipkiss is going to be played by, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, David Desmalchian. David Desmalchian. Desmalchian. I just spelled it wrong. Uh, David Desmalchian. Calloway is going to be Lakeith Stanfield. Kathy will be Melissa Fumero. Big Head will be Ben Schwartz when it's a guy and Jenny Slate when it's a girl. (laughs) Lionel Ray will be Boheme Woodbine. Walter will be Salvatore Esposito. Uh, the guy the guy running the mob, the guy who's in charge of everything, is going to be the extremely evil Lee Pace. <laughs> and then all of this will kind of be written uh, by James Samuel, James Samuel and Brian Taylor, and then directed by Brian Taylor. There it is. And that is not The Mask, but Big Head. <laughs> the re- revenge of Big Head. Reve- Big Head's revenge. Yeah. All right, cool. You going to go watch this movie, so hopefully? Sure. I mean, cool. it's it's the movie we should have gotten. It's the movie that no one had the courage to make. <laughs> I think we can agree that this was not a this is not a '90s movie. No, no, this would have this would have never. No one would have ever okayed this movie, and I think that's why we got the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, I I agree. But say, lovey, nuts to that. Let's make this now. Yeah.
throw yeah. it out and let's uh let's let's do it let's make the movie that no one would ever be allowed to make well cool thank you so much for having me read this comic and for remaking this movie with me i really appreciate it adam this was super fun yeah thanks for going on this journey with me and and reading a not so popular movie that or reading a not so popular comic book that a not so popular movie got made from so and i mean a pretty popular movie well yeah for a <laughs> for a moment for a moment in time <laughs> Yeah, it definitely, yeah, I think it, its moment has, has come and gone. And I'm not saying I own a, a yellow suit sitting in my closet right now that used to fit me but doesn't anymore. <laughs> but that is true. Yeah, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad Swing didn't really, didn't really get feet. Fair. So for people who uh, have learned over the course of this episode to really appreciate and value your taste and take on comics, where can people get that on a regular basis? Oh, you can listen to Tales from the Short Box every Wednesday here on Dueling Genre. Fantastic. Do you, is there anything else you'd like to promote or social medias you'd like people to follow? Uh, you can you can follow uh, you can follow Tales from the Short Box at Last Week's Comics. You can follow me if you want to at Pete Zapizza. Um... <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're we're also um, we're we're working on. Um, uh, another show for dueling genre my 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 fellow castmates at tmnt minute are doing a a rpg tabletop uh real play game where we actually inhabit our favorite pop culture franchises uh we're calling it screenplay and the first season we're doing uh the west end games uh, game of Ghostbusters to make That's like kind awesome. of an in-between sequel to Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters Afterlife. That well, is... not really an in-between. It's it's kind of an offshoot sequel, but it does inhabit that universe. That sounds awesome. That sounds super cool. Yeah. Great. And that's going to be called Screenplay? Screenplay. Screenplay. Cool. I love it. If you're interested in following me, I'm at Sam Gash on Twitter, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or follow the podcast, Ideal Remake, on Twitter or uh, Instagram. Best thing you can do for screenplay from Tales from the Short Box or for Ideal Remake would be to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. I know Spotify is starting to do uh, reviews as well, and you can certainly go leave a review there. But cancel Spotify. Fuck Spotify. Yeah. I'm sorry for people who don't own an Apple device. Uh, I hope you find something else soon. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that I try to do uh, for all Dueling Genre episodes is I try to promote a fellow Dueling Genre show. So this episode, I'm going to be talking about Doom Patrol Radio. Doom Patrol Radio is weekly when the show is airing. If you're a fan of Doom Patrol, you should uh, go and check out the backlog of episodes that's hosted by mark meadows and nathan alexander and basically it's a review podcast for hbo max's doom patrol from the dc comics doom patrol and so mark and nathan talk about it's an after show so they talk about each episode that just happened so because doom patrol is currently off the air you can go find uh the the archives of doom patrol and uh enjoy we just so, did a yeah. team up with them uh, oh did you yeah we tales from the short box we have a Patreon exclusive show, well, Patreon first <laughs> show, I should say, where uh, we we talk about our favorite uh, comics now in trade. It's called Now in Trade, and we talk. We we joined up with the Doom Patrol Radio guys to do uh, a whole episode on the Grant Morrison run on Doom Patrol. That's awesome. Well, if people are listening right now, want to hear that, they should subscribe to the Dueling Genre Patreon. You should, which I think is duelinggenre.com/support. There you go. There it is. Um, so cool. So Adam, we will end this episode the way we end all episodes by asking you, 
what is your favorite quote from the movie or the comic oh, the mask God. uh i don't i don't know if i have one if i'm being honest <laughs> not, i mean there, there's it, too it's not many... blam 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 now you're dead yeah sure there it is <laughs> The problem is that the movie has too many and There's the comic many. has too few. Yeah, it, there really there really aren't any grab phrases or catchphrases from the comic, but the movie the catchphrases from the movie are just so nauseating. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of sexism and fat phobia, but yeah. we're moving past that. We're not going to have that. But the problem is that like and it's not like we can say the movie did better. The movie also has sexism and fat phobia. Yeah. It's not good. So, uh uh uh, Somebody stop it's, us! It's a Tommy please. gun. <laughs> uh, Tommy, oh no! I have to not put on the mask. <laughs> Somebody, please stop us! Yeah, that feels like the way to end a podcast. Yeah, stop us! <laughs> <laughs> not me, cool. please.